Welcome back, guys. Guess who's back? We're back again. Carol's I'm back. back. How are Hi, you feeling? Everyone. I'm so sorry I missed last week. I was, I don't know what happened. I had like this 24 hour illness, and then literally on Monday, I was, I felt better, which is good. But on Sunday, I was just like out to lunch, like could not function. So it, it definitely sounded disgusting. So. Yeah, definitely was, don't wish that journey on anyone. <laughs> it was awful, but I am better now. Um, how are you, Andrea? How was your week? Um, it was good. Andrea had um, like Andrea, you had like a uh, remote week, like no clients. I did. I had a sabbatical week. Um, I was so behind. I think what a lot of people don't realize, and you know what, it's fine. People don't need to realize it. Is that. Um, when you do the work that I do, right, there's a lot of like admin, other extra stuff that goes beyond just like one-on-one work and um, it gets like lost in the weeds. So it was really, I really needed to have time to just study and do work and do all those kinds of things beyond just client work. So it was really good. So it wasn't vacation by any means, but it was you know, a different pace in terms of being able to get all that other shit done. So I'm very happy about it. That's so good, actually. I, like, didn't even think about that. But it's true, like, when you, like, run your own business and you have to do, like, all the front-facing stuff of the business, like, yeah, of course you need, like, a week here and there to, like, actually, like, recenter your mind (laughs) and Mm -hmm. all of your accounting. (laughs) Yeah, oh my goodness. It's pretty wild, but... Um, now it's, now it's time to go back to real life and we are, that's where we are. The, the countdown's on for Carol though. She's going to be moving very soon. So that's going to be exciting. Oh my gosh, I know. Everything is just kind of like winding down very quickly. Like it's not a wind, it's like tornadoing down. Um, honestly guys, like we're about, we are in May, like we are, like May is swinging And our plan was always to have my husband, have Daniel take our stuff out at the end of May. And then um, he's going to come back and we're going to all drive out together back to California, which is Mm -hmm. where we're going to be living for the foreseeable future. Um, Mm -hmm. And we were always going to do that, like kind of middle of June and stuff like that, because I um, haven't taken like a ton of vacation this year. So I'm going to be able to take like the last two weeks. And I don't know, like, it's just coming by so quickly. And honestly, like, this last month is really busy as well. Like, we all, we have a ton of things going on. Like, Kaylee has a bunch of stuff going on. It's the last month of school. Like, we, like, have had, I mean, we're trying to pack now because we know that the end of the month is going to be, or, like, the middle end of the month is going to be so busy. But, like, it's also really hard to pack, like, a month and a half in advance, too. Like, because we're not going to have our stuff until like, you know, the middle of June. So it's like this like weird, like middle ground where you're like trying to figure out what stuff is like essential and what stuff is not. But like a month of essential things is kind of like a long time. So we're working on it. Um, Yeah. This is just a crazy, this has just been a really crazy time in my life and also is just going to keep being a crazy time probably until the end of the year. Like I think that this is 2022 has been like my craziest year yet Mm -hmm. like in terms of like personal things and work things going on like all the changes um 
we do have a home to move into when we move to California, which is really nice. Um, I think beautiful too. I think we solidified that like, I don't know, maybe I think that was like last weekend, but I wasn't on the pod, so I couldn't tell you guys, but um, we are. So that's really nice as well. It just feels nice to like have all that like settled so that we know where we're going. We could have booked the moving truck, like all of those things. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy out here for this bitch. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have any stories that you want to share? Like anything that's been like that you've been listening to or watching? Um, I've been loving, have you listened to the Taylor's version of this love? No. Oh my gosh. It's so dreamy. Between the two of us, Carol, you're the Taylor girly. Oh my gosh. It's so, I mean, like I have you guys, if you only, if you guys only knew my husband, like he's the biggest Swifty ever. So I will listen to Taylor Swift all the time by proxy, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's so like, I love it. Like I forgot how much I love that song. So definitely recommend that you listen to it. And then also Andrea sent me the trailer for the summer. I turned pretty, which is coming on Amazon prime in the middle of June. And I completely remember reading this series in high school, maybe like early college or something like that. And I loved it. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I am definitely going to like watch it. I think it's going to be so fun. Yeah, totally. Also, we just like stand Jenny Han, bro. Yeah. I actually, I don't think I've read anything else from her besides that, though. That series. Oh, I read to all the boys I ever loved. Oh, was it good? Yeah, it was good. I actually liked it. Um, did you like it better as the books or do you feel like the movies did a good job? People said the movies did um, a good job. Yeah, the movies were good and the book was good. I didn't feel like, oh, they fucking ruined it and blah, blah, blah. Like, it felt okay. Yeah. And I do think that everyone is, I mean, like, this is like a very hot button topic. I don't know. Andrea and I haven't talked about this. Um, but, like, there was a leak of, like, the Supreme Court's draft of their potential decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And everybody is, like completely freaking out and losing their mind about abortion rights in the United States. Um, and so before, so before you go ahead with that, I just want, I want, I, I just want to make mention of one thing. Mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade, all of this stuff has been coming out at the exact same time that the same people who are saying, how dare you take away my body autonomy are the exact same people saying that Kim Kardashian is a piece of shit for losing weight so drastically to fit into that Met Gala dress, right? And I thought it was just such an interesting scenario for people to contrast, for people to be saying all of this, being all like whatever Roe v. Wade, blah, 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 but also saying that she's a piece of shit when it's just well, kind of like, oh. So let's let's talk about that first, right? So the Met Gala happened this past week. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, like very few dresses that I was truly in love with. I do think a lot of people got on theme like, there were some people who were like really on theme that I liked and there were some people who were Mm -hmm. on theme that I didn't like. So I think it's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, Met Gala tings. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. as we all know, Kim Kardashian came in Marilyn Monroe's dress. It -hmm. sounds like um, the one that she sang happy birthday, Mr. President to. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people were upset for multiple reasons, right? A lot of people were upset Mm -hmm. because it's Marilyn Monroe's dress and it's not her dress. And, um, kind of like the stuff that was kind of circling around that time was obviously like Marilyn Monroe has been known as this was known as this like harlot slut 
girl, whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the time mm-hmm. she was singing to the president and like at the time, I guess it was potentially very disrespectful to Jackie O, which is, was his wife at the mm-hmm. time. And like, also there were mm-hmm. like rumors swirling that he was like cheating on his wife at that time as well. So mm-hmm. whatever. The other thing, I mean, I think that part of things like, you know, like, I mean, like, okay, like, yes, she's not like the beacon of light as being like the most unproblematic celebrity that ever existed. Right. But I think that that was kind of the point. And I think the point that I think the point that Kim was trying to make was that like less so saying that, like, I'm the modern day Marilyn Monroe, but also saying but kind of kind of saying that right and kind of saying like I'm problematic like I like problematic things have come out about me and like all of these things but like I'm a fashion girly like I want to make like a fashion statement and all of these things sure and I honestly like I thought it was cute I didn't think it was gilded I will say I no, definitely not it was not gilded it was making like a statement all of on its own which like I don't really care because I don't really care about things like being on theme or whatever like if you have like an interesting dress or an interesting story like I can totally get behind that um even Anna like Anna Wintour doesn't even go on theme so (laughs) yeah but she's Anna Wintour so you know um but no but I'm just saying the one that like runs it doesn't even worry too much about it I think it's okay (laughs) yeah yeah um so I think that it was just so it was just like interesting and just kind of like Anyway, I thought the dress looked beautiful on her. I thought she looked beautiful. Um, And then, you know, she shared that she lost 16 pounds in a month, which, you know, if you translate that out, it's four pounds a week um, to fit into the dress. And it sounds like the dress might not have fit completely. Like she she wore the fur thing because it didn't close. Yeah. And um, she only she only wore it to walk up the steps. She no, I know she She took it off. Yeah. Room at the bottom. She mm-hmm. went in there, changed, went up the steps, and once she got to the top of the steps, she changed again into a replica that like fit more comfortably. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. Um, I mean, I th- and then I think all of this stuff came out. She was very open, sharing that you know it was challenging for her to fit into this dress because she had shared before that she was not going to go to the Met Gala if she didn't fit into the dress, right? Like that came out like I think a week before the Met Gala. She was like, "Oh, I'm not sure if I'm going because." if I don't fit into the dress, I'm not going kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and then a lot of backlash came out on her because she said that she lost all this weight to fit into the dress. And, you know, I, I I'm not really sure like where that comes from specifically, like to be honest, like I was a little bit confused as to why people felt so strongly about it. So Lily Reinhardt released like this whole, um lily reinhardt is from oh what's the show riverdale and she released like this big like rant about how like kim k was like being so anti like basically like destroying body body positivity and like positive body culture etc etc i don't know like i just didn't i didn't get it to be honest like i didn't like i didn't get the outrage to be honest like i can totally understand that you think it's unhealthy for someone to lose 16 pounds in a month i can i can sympathize with that right like i can totally appreciate that that's like probably too much weight to lose in such a short period of time it's not sustainable right but none of this was meant to be sustainable right it was meant for her to lose weight and then to fit into this dress you know and it's like 
we don't get mad at other people who like lose weight or like take steroids, like men who take steroids and stuff to bulk up their muscle mass and stuff like that to be on, you know, Avengers movies, um, to be in Marvel movies or things like that to look a certain way. Right. Like that's part of their job. Right. And so I think Kim was more so seeing this as like, this is part of my job. I'm a fashion girly. Like I want to wear this dress. Like this is how I wear this dress. And I would actually like go to say that like she was very open about it. Right. She was very open about like how challenging it was and things like that. And like, kind of like put a picture to the struggle of like losing weight. I think some people probably feel like upset because she was successful in doing that. And like, let a lot of people are she successful wasn't in losing because weight. It still didn't fit. Like, I guess that's true. I mean? But like she did lose like 16 pounds in a month is a lot of weight right, to drop. Right. Um, right. And she, I'm not saying she did it in the healthiest way. Like it sounds no, like she, she like she didn't. Of course right. she didn't because you can't, that's not real life. Right, right, because she probably like, like she's probably extremely underweight for like what she typically runs at sure, um at sure. this point in time. Right. And so sure. and it was probably like cutting a lot of water weight, cutting a lot you know what I mean, like trying yes. to like just like yes. cut off like the fluff kind of thing. And I guess I just don't know. I don't know why people are upset. Like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like, I mean, like she said, like, oh, I haven't eaten a carb in a month. And people were like, that's disgusting and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, but like, that's what she chose to do because she really wanted to fit into this dress. Like, why do you like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't think, does it set a bad precedent for like losing weight to like fit into it, fit into clothes and things like that? I mean, right. yeah, potentially, but not any more than like gaining weight for a role or like losing weight for a role does. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all in the same kind of realm. So, like, then you kind of have to apply that to everything. You shouldn't just like pick on her, right? You should be talking right. about the whole industry. Like, you but guys are all like, you guys are all like unattainable body goals. Like, come on. Sure. So here's the thing. I and um, like I think when it comes to beauty standards, I think the fact that they at the beginning they really lacked transparency around like the work that they had gotten done and all that stuff. They have been put into this box of like, you were just never realistic, right? But I think what Kim Kardashian has been doing and the little things that I've seen here and there is that she's trying to be more transparent about the work that she's currently having done. Okay. And so and so there is something to be said about that. Like they got BBLs. They, they never said that they did, right? But you know what I mean? And that's where people get upset with them because just like people are trying to look like you and they're they're doing all these things to their bodies if you had just said like hey in order to look like me you're going to need to get a bbl right that that would have been completely different right because right. it would have normalized plastic surgery and they would have been accepting of the lengths that they went and two it would have been realistic for the girls trying to achieve that body like oh so in order for me to look like I have to get plastic surgery okay so maybe so maybe like um, I don't like I don't want to have plastic surgery so maybe I just need to be whatever so the sure. lack of transparency especially when they first started getting famous and all this stuff really frustrated people and I think I never watched keeping up with the Kardashians but I think the girls have always been very open about them trying to lose weight and their body dysmorphia and all this stuff right mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people get frustrated because um, of like how they do that and a lot of people are watching and people want to be like them so I think a lot of people think that um the Kardashians have a lot of power when it comes to that like you but if you have enough money you can do fucking anything 
Right. Like totally. They're so is, the but, reason why she was able to lose that weight is because she hired the best trainer. She hired a nutritionist sure. to replan her, her meals. She hired someone sure. to like, you know what I mean? Like she has yeah. access to resources that like typical 100%. people don't have. Right. Same. Similarly to a man who, you know, who's yeah. going to be in an Avengers movie who needs to learn, you know, Taekwondo or whatever. Like, yeah, they have access 100%. to all those trainers and all those people who are telling them what to eat, telling them what to do. Like literally mm-hmm. like Kim mm-hmm. says, she has I because I watched a couple episodes of like the new show and she said like I'm a robot like I want you to like lay out my outfits yeah. every single day I want you to lay out my food yeah. every day like I just want to like not think about it and just do yeah so 100%. I can focus my efforts on other things so like 100- this takes yeah. like a massive amount of money and a massive amount of effort as well mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so 100%. I think it's like I don't know like I think like I mean I think ultimately it's- the the thing is that we have to stop like thinking of these people as like any kind of body goals or goals in general and just be like understanding but that you know like what, they're Carol, also but human th- beings but come on but but you know what like it doesn't matter if people want to look at them and have them be body goals like they're allowed right what the thing is is that we're giving them too much power right and if people are watching them and choosing like people do that all the time like there's people who who go on instagram and see people uh, sunning their assholes okay and saying that's what i should be doing because it's going to give me more vitamin vitamin d right like yeah. people will follow and be influenced the way that they want to follow and be influenced right it just is what it is so people because i followed some body po- i follow some body positivity girlies and they were just like all up in arms because she's like see it was like it sounded desperate and these girls were very obviously overwhelmed and just it brought up a lot of their own old shit where it's just kind of like oh my goodness this girl is doing extreme weight loss and it's and it's overwhelming me based on what I've been through so I'm going to project and say that she's a bad person and she's doing this and like you know see she's making things unrealistic and all this stuff yeah we need to be very cognizant of language when when Kim said I lost 16 pounds in three weeks to wear this dress she's like i saw it as a role she said in the language that specifically for this this was the role right and so with that in mind we need like you said we need to keep up the same energy the same way that like lily collins for that anorexia movie right or show lost a, a bunch a bunch of weight for that movie mm-hmm. christian bale lost a bunch a bunch a bunch a bunch of weight for one of his movies right and a lot 100%. of people have say, said like oh but this was like only for like an hour you're saying she lost 16 pounds for just an hour when these people are losing weight for roles i was like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter she she considers this a legacy moment for herself and if and and ultimately we have to we have to give her body autonomy like people can literally do anything that they want like how is this any different than someone who decides to cover themselves in tattoos? Right. I, I don't know. Right. So this is why I thought it was just so ironic that this Roe v. Wade stuff came out at the exact same time as people were talking shit about Kim Kardashian. It's just like, it, like, which one is it? Is it body autonomy or is it body autonomy yeah, I don't if for know everyone I mean. except for for Kim? Right. So she I said it was a role. She made that she made that very specific in her language. Right. And I think at that point, you just got to believe her. I think she did too and I think that you're just giving her you're just giving her too much power at that point. Like, I agree. I agree. And and, I, and like, that's not to say that she doesn't have power. She 100% does have power. But so does, but, but there's but there's that, a lot that, of different kinds of power dynamics that exist in the world, right? right and and someone's always going to be influenced by somebody. It just kind of is right. what it is. 
Right. And I don't think that all of, and, and I don't think that power is necessarily appropriately placed. And that's something that like should yeah, be addressed I agree. as well. And so I agree. it's just, I don't know. I think it's just too much in terms of like the Roe v. Wade side of things. I think that, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories floating around as to why this got released. And I, I, I don't want to like shed light to things that are not fact, However, you know, it is kind of an interesting time for the first time in history for something like this to be released, for it to be released. Um, and it has really caused like an uproar, particularly in my community, right? Because um, being in the medical community and stuff, obviously, like our, our main advocacy is for like our patients to have access to safe care. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, being able to like having something happen that could destroy that is obviously very difficult and challenging and so like I don't want to make light of the situation whatsoever I do Mm -hmm. very much want to say that like I hope with all of my heart that if the Supreme Court does overturn this decision that this will put a lot of pressure on the states to make stances right because like Mm -hmm. and and this is for like for Canadian people like um the way that the U.S. is a little bit different that I've been kind of like starting to realize is that like it's it's mostly initially was started to like be very focused on state rights. So to be very focused on like every single state can kind of choose what's right for them in their population. And so every state can come together and make um, and vote and then make laws that could be very different from another state. Um, and that's kind of how they wanted it to work. They wanted it to be like this incubator of like a bunch of different states, like doing different things and then just kind of adopting things that worked you know, out of everything. Um, and I think that, you know, there was a lot of benefits to having Roe v. Wade being something that was federal, right? It, it provided safe access to a lot of people like across the nation, which is super important. Um, I think that, you know, the, the stance of them potentially overturn, overturning it is scary, but I hope that the alternative is that the states will make a stance. I mean, like, I know that California has already made a stance that, like, if this happens, that they plan to, like, support people in other states that aren't going to offer abortion to, like, help them to be able to to have safe abortions and things like that. And so I just hope that we're able to to really do things that represent what the real population wants, right? And I don't know. Like, I don't know how else to feel. I mean, like, it sucks. It uh, on a, obviously sucks, but it's just kind of like, okay, now we got to, like, move forward and trying to figure out, like, what is the best, like, way to move forward to try and, like, salvage this shit show kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that something like abortion or something like, um, you know, or having a baby is very personal decision. Um, you know, like, being pregnant right now myself, like obviously like I can a hundred percent attest to that um I also think there's like I mean and I know this is like very idealistic but I but I think that there are like some real um there are some some real fears that a lot of people have about having a baby I mean like me too like right like having a baby in the United States is super expensive like even just like actually having the baby not to mention like raising the baby right and it's like if you want me, if you want people to care about, if you think that a fetus, right? If you think that life begins at conception, if you're pro-life and you believe that life begins at conception, you want to support this life throughout the entirety of its journey, then do that. Put your money where your mouth is. 
right? Mm-hmm. Let's get affordable. Right, let's get affordable. Pre- let's get prenatal care that's free. Let's get child yeah. care that's free. Let's support yeah. parents in taking time off. Let's support, you know, um, let's support women in, in finding appropriate child care for them to go back to work. Like, let's yeah. do the things that would actually help people to make that decision in a real mm-hmm. way rather than just having to put dollars and cents together because let's be honest 100%. that's what they have to do like how right. are they going to survive you know mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i think i'm not saying that that's like the answer right and i know that that's very idealistic but i do think that that like to me like a lot of it uh, uh, to me a lot of it is does stem around money and finances right Oh, um, in my mind's eye, right? Like that's a big, that, that might be one of the biggest things that people think about, right? It's like, I can't afford to do this, you mm-hmm. know? And then you're right. also not or- making provisions for people who have, you know, who get pregnant under like really terrible circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And those things are like, mm-hmm. yeah. Ectopic, I mean, all that stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. Or like even just things like, you know, rape and things like that yeah totally. um, I was just or adding, like unsurvivable yeah. like completely unsurvivable yeah. um yeah. defects and things like that yep um 100%, 100%. I'm not saying that those are I, I know that statistically those are not the majority of you know abortions I'm not trying to say that for those that mm-hmm. know the statistics um but yeah I think yeah. that regardless of what the statistics are or whatever like I mm-hmm. I as a medical professional and also as a human being I'm never going to make a decision mm-hmm. for someone else as to whether right. they should do something or not do something with their body yeah that's mm-hmm. entirely their decision and their journey um ah, my totally. only thing to advocate is that there has to be a safe outlet yeah because even if yep. even if you make abortion illegal, even if, you know, people who are and I I want to make a comment about pro-life in a second. But even if you make a decision to make abortion illegal in the entire country, abortion will still happen. Yep. Right. Yep. It's not going to not happen. So yep. we should have healthy and we should have healthy and safe alternatives. And I yep. do want to say also to people who are pro-life, I I have talked to people you know, over the course of several, over over the course of the week that all this has been happening. And I know that pro-life, like all of these, like people who are pro-life are not necessarily represented by these people who want to overturn Roe v. Wade. Like you can be pro-life and still, or you can be pro-choice and still want Roe v. Wade to be overturned for like legal reasons. There are some people Mm -hmm. who have like legal reasons as to why they feel like Roe v. Wade should be overturned. They feel like it should be a state thing. Anyway, whatever. Whatever they think, that's fine. Um, but mm-hmm. they still like very much believe in like body autonomy for women and stuff like that. So sure. I, I want to yeah. bring to light the fact that like it's not black or white. No, um, no, and I think that no, that's no. been my and I want to say that because that's been some one of some of my biggest learning um, since growing up and since um, honestly since leaving the church and since creating some sort of autonomy for myself in terms of the decisions that I make is that, you know, the biggest thing that I've learned is that things are not black and white. People are not one thing or the other. Right. Um, there is no left or right, right? Like we are all a mixture of everything until we accept that and actually listen to people. That's the only way that we can actually make real change and also actually develop our own ideals. Right. Cause you might not agree with one side a hundred percent of the Mm -hmm. time. Um, which right. is a great segue into what we're going to be talking about today because, you know, that's just how we roll here. It's all with the flow. So um, <laughs> we we kind of, oddly enough, kind of created this series about like growing up. And 
um, the last couple of, of episodes, we've talked about grow up and be yourself, grow up and take care of yourself. And we kind of felt like we needed to take some time to, to kind of talk about, okay, now that we've kind of figured out like who we are, or potentially who we want to be or who we want to embody or whatever it is and how that would, you know, require a different way of taking care of ourselves, right? But with all of that, it's like, how, how do we just like grow up and actually trust ourselves to, to do that, to follow through, to, you know, be autonomous human beings, be the agents of our own change, right? Because I think, yeah, we can, we can, you know, sit with ourselves and be like, okay, this is not who I want to be. I want to be like this, right? And okay, I, in order to take care of myself, I have to do this. But can you even trust yourself to follow through on those things, to even figure it out? Like, if we, if we understand that, like, you have the ability to make your own uncoerced choices, do you trust yourself to be able to even figure out what those are and then follow through on them, right? So I kind of felt like it might be something that we could chat about. Do you have any thoughts on that, Carol? So I think that it's, it's interesting because I think that um, and we were talking about this before we before we even came on that there's a difference between autonomy and agency mm-hmm. um, and autonomy is like kind of like your ideals of being your own individual self and being able to determine what's important to you um, and kind of like almost like putting yourself first right like so mm-hmm. what is going to make me the happiest what choice what choice is going to make me the happiest what choice is going to give me the best quality of life et cetera et cetera mm-hmm. however the agency part of that is actually going out and doing that thing Mm -hmm. and actually Mm -hmm. acting on that thing. Right. And having the power, it's almost the power within yourself to make that Mm -hmm. choice and to stand up for your own autonomy. So, and so I think that this happens in like two separate ways, right? I think that you're growing, you are building your autonomy for your whole life. Right. So as you grow up, you kind of like, determine what feels good for me what's best for me things like that and um, a lot of people as they grow up they use outside influences for that right so when you're little you're using your parents when you're a little older you're using your friends Um, you know like if you are religious you're using your religion to kind of base all of these things of what feel of what feels good for me things like that Mm -hmm. and then you get to a certain point where you understand what is going you can kind of conceptualize when you come up with a choice okay this is going to make me feel good this is going to make me feel not so good you can weigh like the pros and cons and things like that you can base it off of other experiences that you've had right where you took in outside influences and things went well or things didn't go well mm-hmm. in that particular instance and then you can mm-hmm. make refine your choices from there mm-hmm. and that's all well and good and works really well for people I think that's a normal part of development I think mm-hmm. the part that's not so normal and the part that people sometimes miss is the agency part of things, mm-hmm. right? It's the part mm-hmm. of like the follow through or like the feeling empowered to actually do said thing that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is supposed to be some uh, a pivotal change in your life, probably at the time when you become independent, right? So at mm-hmm. the time when you start to like live on your own or you go to school on your own or like you're, you're more free to make those own choices. And I guess I'm kind of wondering like, Andrea, like how do you feel like that was 
portrayed to you or not portrayed to you as you were growing up or do you and do you feel like there was a pivotal moment in your life where or pivotal time in your life where you felt like oh shit like I need to start following through with these things that with these decisions um okay how do I say this I feel like for me personally, because I can't speak for anybody else, the way that I experienced growing up was that I kind of outsourced all of my decision making. And so I don't think I really, I, I don't really think I gave myself opportunities to trust myself because I, I honestly believe that my perception was that, you know, if I'm inherently sinful or like my feelings are fleeting, right? And then the main narrative that was thrown at me was that I'm too much, you're too emotional and like all these kinds of things. It's just like, well, if I'm too much, if I'm too emotional and feelings are fleeting and they cannot, you know, all of these things are like evil or sinful or whatever, then that clearly means that I can't trust myself. So right. as an adult, that's making those kinds of associations doesn't make any sense. But when you think about like from a little kid perspective, like eight, nine, 10, 12, all those kinds yeah. of things, right? It, it makes sense in your brain. Like it ha- you have to be the reason why whatever it is is happening or not happening right so I think from that I would just always ask whoever I thought was an authority what I should do and then just did it right I wouldn't Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think about it I would just be like mom and dad what do you think done and so while there is a time for that like you were saying when I was growing up and I needed to start just being able to make a decision and deal whatever the fallout, deal with whatever the fallout was, like I didn't do it yeah. because I didn't want it to be the wrong thing. And if it didn't go well, I could blame it on somebody else because it was just like, well, they told me to do it. So this is not on me. Right. So I was kind of separating myself from any poor in outcomes. Right. And trying to guarantee good ones because I was placing moral value on my decisions and how I was governing myself when that's not relevant right and so um so yeah so I I had to once I got to university I started realizing that like I went when my parents weren't available or people who I didn't I just started placing projecting that like oh like you're more popular than me or I perceive you as better than me so I need to ask you what your opinion is and do that because not only does it make you feel good it makes me feel good to see you feel good and then I can do something that's probably going to go well. Okay. So there was not a lot of like trust in my in myself to make my own own decisions because I just like had no access to that part of me. Mm-hmm. Um and it it wasn't until to be honest it wasn't until about 4 years ago when I started doing a lot of like personal therapy when I started doing a lot of specific like somatic work and like um dismantling certain beliefs about myself that I start did I start realizing how hard it was for me to make my own decisions and to trust myself um so yeah so that's like an ongoing thing so it was so to answer your question it's only been recently that I've actually started having that kind of connection with myself where I feel like yeah like I can I can totally trust myself that's totally fine because I always outsourced my autonomy I think that I was able to follow through on certain things but how I made those decisions wasn't based on what I wanted Mm -hmm. like you outsourced Um, your agency as well like your power to make mm -hmm. any choice well I was making choices based on what I thought other people wanted me to do right 
like even finishing my degree when I didn't like that that degree anymore Mm -hmm. um I like my major I still finished it and I finished it in four years because I was like no this is what you're supposed to do and I will be poorly perceived if I don't finish this in four years so because I was told that this is what you're supposed to do you don't because people used to talk so much shit about people who would change their major like 10 times right right and so it's just like there was something to be said about like starting with this starting and ending with the same major and finishing in four years and all this stuff absolutely and so that's how I made decisions like I looked into doing like a different program and then I was like and when the the dean of the department said I'm gonna have to stay an extra semester in order to finish it I was like no I'm I'm not going to stay an extra semester because people will think I'm a piece of shit. So I didn't mm-hmm. do it. Right. So I robbed then, myself of an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Even though that's what I wanted. I was like, no, I'm not going to follow through on what I want because other people want me to finish in four years. So I'm going to finish in four years. So I guess my next my follow up question is like, so you're saying that the the only way that you actually got to the point where you could make that dis- where you could make that distinction and see that that was kind of like what you were going through was when you started doing personal therapy yeah because even making the decision to do my own personal therapy um was like autonomous because no one told me to do it Mm -hmm. I I mean it was part of the training that I was doing but doing like full-blown psychotherapy was not required of me um it was like a little bit different it was more like um practicing certain skills and stuff like that okay uh but then I asked to do actual therapy I actually learned like a lot about myself and my system and all the ways that I learned to protect myself. Hence why I'm like able to talk about it now because I have actually done like a lot of work around it. There's still ongoing work, but it's a little bit different now. But but making your own decisions and like trusting yourself to do that is like really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about the process of that realization when you realized oh shit I've been making decisions for other people and outsourcing both my autonomy and my agency to other people for most of my life like what was that realization because I can understand that that's actually has a lot of pain associated with it because you almost feel like you haven't been living as your authentic self or you know you haven't been you know like truly taking advantage of who you are and making decisions for your life you might I mean some people might feel like they're they haven't lived a life in in essence like you know they've been living for other people and like they don't even know who they are so tell me about that um it's just grieving it's grieving um the decisions I had to make but in a compassionate way like um a lot of times I look on those parts of myself and say like I get why you did this like I get how you thought that there was no other option and I'm really proud of you for being able to do something a little bit different now and trusting yourself enough that like if anything bad happens, you'll figure it out because that was the thing. Like I was trying to mitigate so much pain for other people when it was was really causing me pain. I just was bypassing it Mm -hmm. because I thought that doing what I perceived as the right thing was enough and it wasn't until I zoomed out, separated myself, and was able to even get some clarity, especially from like a third party, that I realized like how much pain I was in um, and how sad like I really was. Yeah. Um, so it was, so it's grief, like, and I still grieve it now, right? Like sometimes I'll get hit with like a bunch of tears like once a week, just because sometimes things just come up and they remind you of like old things 
right? And yeah. it's very natural and normal for that to come up. So it's it's all just like a grieving process, but it made sense because what are you supposed to do when you feel like you don't have any other choice or you have no other frame of reference? So that's not to say that now that I don't, when, I, when I'm making decisions that I don't like still ask for help, I'm just more strategic, strategic in who I ask. Um, mm-hmm. depending on what the context context is and it's from people that I trust right because there it also sucked that like you know you have to text like 10 people just to see if you can like do something and then everyone knows your business right and everyone yeah. has an opinion and all these kinds of things when it's just kind of like I don't I don't need a bajillion people like I only need the one person that I trust or the one person that I ha- that has expertise in this area that can give me proper information so I can make an informed decision right and that's kind of like where I've landed now because community is community like we still need to ask each other for help and all those kinds of things but it kind of comes down to like what's your intention of needing to ask so many people right Mm -hmm. that's when you can start to get curious so it's less about the actual asking so less about the behavior of asking someone and more about what's your intention like what are you trying to get that you feel like you can't get from yourself it's just like oh I don't know anything about this so and this person does so they're going to help me be able to make a decision okay perfect then that makes sense right 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 that makes a lot of sense yeah what about you um I think that I think that, you know, I, I resonate with the fact that like a lot of times when you're growing up, um, you know, you really don't, you you hear your parents kind of like giving you advice and telling you to do certain things. Um, and you, you don't want to make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. You have this kind of like perception in your mind where you're like, I, I want to like learn from other people's mistakes and I want to like not make mistakes myself. Um, and you kind of like take all of that on to you. I mean, like I shared this like a couple episodes back, but like there was also this immense pressure to be like, you should have known better. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if things didn't go well and things like that, like you should have known that this wasn't going to work or you should have known, um, X, Y, Z. And I think that, you know, that had a big toll on me. Right. I was, I'm, I'm a person who like takes a lot of personal responsibility and like is very, it internalizes a lot of that. And so for me, that was like, could, that could be in some instances, very, um, paralyzing, right. The idea of like, okay, if I'm going to make this bad decision, like I'm going to hear, like, I should have known better and I'm going to think to myself, I should have known better, even though that's not realistic in most scenarios. Right. And so I think that it's interesting because I always see myself as like a very, um, outwardly confrontational person. Like I'm not the type of person to shy away from an argument or from a disagreement or things like that. Like I'm very open, like I'm very talk, I'll like talk about, and I've always kind of been like that to, to varying degrees. Um, and so it's, it's kind of interesting that I would still have these like just juxtapositions with decision-making, but it was very much internalized, right? Like, so in terms of Andrea, right? Like where it was like, I don't know anything for me, it was like, I should know everything. Right. And like, and I need to make this decision because I need to know how to do this because, or because I'm smart because I can reason through things and X, Y, Z and all of these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that would make me take on so much personal responsibility where like, I would be like, well, I can't make this choice right now. And so I yeah. would like delay making choices. Like I was not mm-hmm. impulsive. Like 
you if you asked anybody like i'm the least impulsive i was the least mm-hmm. impulsive person at this time in my life mm-hmm. i would take months to make a decision right like sure. especially yeah. like and making a decision mm-hmm. on the spot about something like either something that was going to affect other people or something that was going to change the course of a trajectory of something would like Mm -hmm. stress me out to no end. Like I could not do it. Like, like physically could not do it because Mm -hmm. I was like the implications of the decision. If I make the bad decision is that I'm going to feel like I should have known better. Mm -hmm. And right. You know, and so like my, my, you know, my default would be like, well, I need to get more information. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to like hold off making that decision. Right. When in reality, like there is no more information or like, you know, the decision doesn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so. So before you, before you keep going, I just want to, I want to make a quick note here that like, if anybody is into attachment styles, this is a very good example of like over like hyper self-reliance is very reflective and of an avoidantly attached individual. So it doesn't mean that they're avoidant of like life or anything like that. It's actually like more self-reliant in gen like like overall. It's more reliant on self, not needing anyone like Carol is describing. And then you have more anxious attachment that is like hyper reliant on others to feel okay. Right. Which is, which is a hundred percent, which is a hundred percent like our dynamic growing up. Mm -hmm. Like that's our difference Mm -hmm. between me and Andrea. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, if you know a little Mm -hmm. bit about our, our stories of like basically our parental relationships and then also Mm -hmm. like our relationships growing up, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's how we are. That's why we are that way. Right. Right. And so, so this is, so this is, this is the thing we learned how to trust ourselves, right. A little bit differently because you know, each of us had experiences that let us know the only way that we can get our needs met, right? Because you have to think of it from think of it from like a like a developmental place. Yes. And until and you know, once you get to an adult, it's a little bit easier to kind of renegotiate those things for yourself. But if it, developmentally, we both learn, Carol realized like as if I just do it myself, clearly the only person I can trust is myself. So I'm going to, and this is how I get my needs met. This is perfect. She's going to keep operating that way until she gets into a situation that lets her know that she can be reliant on others. And that's very vaguely speaking. This is a very nuanced topic. It doesn't exactly work that way, but I'm trying to be vague on purpose. So it comes to like a felt sense of safety in like in your, in yourselves in terms of like, how do I get my needs met? And so for me, it was like, will other people meet my needs. Because I can't, I've made the meaning or I have this belief of myself that I can't trust myself to do it. Like when I, when I try to ask for what I need, it doesn't get met. So if I just see how everyone else is and make sure that everybody else is okay and like do what I feel like they want me to do, then I get my needs met. So it comes from a very like surface level, young developmental place that we're the only thing that we really care about is our basic needs. It really is that way, right? Until we get older and then adult attachment comes in and it's a little bit different. But so these are the things that you can kind of ask yourself, like what what has always gotten in the way of me being able to trust myself? Like where did I learn where did I learn to be an autonomous human being? Because those things are taught. Kids start learning how to be autonomous at age three. Right. And so developmentally like within the appropriate developmental structure we're supposed to be supported to be to be curious about those things but sometimes we don't for a lot of different reasons so it's interesting how how we kind of formulate this belief about ourselves in terms of like we can either we have to trust everybody else 
um, and we can't trust ourselves or we're the only person we can trust. So it's an interesting contrast. Right. So and I it's just like, wanted to add that in. <laughs> no, and it's super interesting because we, we tend to be like two opposite sides of the coin in this particular mm-hmm. instance, right? So like, mm-hmm. uh, and we kind of like got to extremes of those two things um, just mm-hmm. because of who we are and how we, mm-hmm. and how we developed and things like that. And so I mm-hmm. think in the same way that Andrea had to come to like a perspective of trusting herself, like I had to do the same thing, but from like an opposite lens. And so I think that that's the, that's the kind of thing that kind of makes us all the same is that mm-hmm. at some point in this, in this real, you have to have the realization that you can in fact trust yourself and the outcome of that, whether it's positive or negative, doesn't reflect badly on you and it doesn't reflect mm-hmm. badly on your intellect or on the way you make decisions. And you don't have to ask a million or in contrary side, you don't have to ask a million people to validate mm-hmm. your choice. And the way that that choice that cho- like the actual action of making that choice or like the fallout or the build up from that choice doesn't matter in reality. Because it doesn't mean anything to anybody else. It only matters to you. And so if it's meaningful to you for one way or another, whether it's just that I made that choice myself Mm -hmm. because I wanted to make it that way, then fine. Who the fuck cares? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that was like a good realization for me to have personally, which is that like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to make the right decision all the time because in reality, a lot of the fucking time there is no right decision, right? And whatever ends up happening happens to you and you will deal with and change your narrative the way you need Mm -hmm. to change your narrative based on that decision to get what you want, what you ultimately want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's never never going to be a time where you have all of the information at the very beginning. Think about like a new job that you, you sign up for or you get hired to do, right? It seems really great at the beginning or whatever, but then like, one month in, two months in, you start noticing things being like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be like this. So now you have new information. And then based on that, maybe you have to make a little bit of like a difficult decision. But Absolutely. trusting yourself to like meet yourself where you're at. Like based on the information I have right now in this moment, it seems like it's the best option. And until I get new information, it's like dating. You're not going to know everything about a person right at the beginning. And then that's why we break up. That's why breakups inherently have no moral value and why being in relationships, even if it's for like, a month or six months or whatever it's not bad or or good it's just an experience that hopefully lesson learned right so that you can have more of an awareness in the next situation that you get yourself in right but endings aren't have no moral value they're just things to overcome and information to take with you absolutely which like because we're constantly gathering information (laughs) which is that that is so key right because when Mm -hmm. you can when you can accept that and when you can internalize Mm -hmm. that You'll never be afraid to make a decision ever again. I mean, because you'll some of them. Some I mean, of them like can be tricky. Like, but it's more. But again, you can you can feel nervous and afraid to make a decision, and also trust yourself to be like, well, if it doesn't go well, we'll we'll figure it out if and when we get there. We'll cross that bridge. Exactly, right? and that has been a lot of my own personal feeling, right? Like, I mm-hmm. have. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately married like a very impulsive person, um, who (laughs) challenges Carol challenges. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Who like makes, who can make decisions like on a whim because he has this kind of like feeling, which is that like, 
I'm making the best decision that I know how to make right now. And if things don't work out, things don't work out and I'll deal with it at that point. Right. And Mm -hmm. that realization for me was extremely stressful. Right. And being Mm -hmm. with someone like that was very stressful for me Mm -hmm. in certain decisions. Right. But Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. propelled me to kind of like have to understand that and to see him make those decisions and realize yeah, like mm-hmm. the world doesn't end. Nobody dies. Mm-hmm. Like Nobody it's dies. fine. Like, and we figure mm-hmm. out how to make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not to say yeah. that like life has been smooth sailing, but like it wouldn't have been smooth sailing the other way either. It just would have been a hundred mm-hmm. times more stressful, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so that, and it does help when you get into moments of your life, like I'm in right now where things can feel like out of control. Right. And things mm-hmm. are just kind of swirling and happening around you when you can make this realization where you're going to be like, I'm going to make the best decision that I can in this moment to help me right now. And I don't know what the long, the downstream effects of that are going to be because I can't Mm -hmm. know that. And I can't Mm -hmm. perseverate on that all day long because then I won't make the decision. And it also like, you don't need to know. Exactly. Like sometimes having too much information is not helpful either. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Who cares? That's not to say, that's not to say that I don't have things in my Amazon cart for like weeks on end. Um, (laughs) That, again, but there's something to be said but, about you know. impulse buying, right? So there's certain contexts. Uh, yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But so like, it's I think like, it's just um, funny. <laughs> no, but to be honest, when things like TikTok exist, especially all of the Amazon, all the good Amazon hauls are for US Amazon, you have to yeah. be careful. You have to be careful because they're going to be telling you that you need to like get like a whole bunch of random shit for your house that you didn't even realize you needed. And it's 100%. Like pointless. So but do you again, need it? You might actually need it. <laughs> right well, like 100% like some of those things have actually been like super clutch I'm, I'm not gonna yeah. lie but yeah so it's also meeting yourself with where you're at in terms of like well when it comes to shopping you know I need to like slow down and like think about it for a sure bit, mm-hmm. right and then mm-hmm. other people it's like no if I like I definitely need this now I don't need to to sit here and think about if I need a chair or not like when all of my dining chairs are broken like I need to just buy the dining chairs like it's fine you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's like things like that. All of these things kind of transcend the, the context in that like it's just noticing right uh, right now in this moment, like what am I noticing in myself and what's getting in the way? How, how can I get more information or how can I talk to somebody that I trust that can support me to, to get what I need in this moment, right? right? Which could just be making a decision. Yeah, right? absolutely. So so yeah, I think I think that is the building blocks to being able to trust yourself. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and that's it. Honestly, um, and that's it. Would love to hear about your journeys too. I mean, like I think Andrea just uh, Andrea and I just so happen to have like very opposing, polarizing uh, dynamics of like how mm-hmm. we made decisions. So if mm-hmm. any of you have different viewpoints, please like let us know. This is like a really interesting topic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, And it really reveals a lot about yourself and about Mm -hmm. um, kind of honestly how you operate day to day um, and Mm -hmm. how you perceive the world in the lens of how you perceive yourself. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. please follow this podcast, like, subscribe. Um, And that's been our show. This has been episode 16 of Literally Sisters. We back, bitches. Um, We back. (laughs) Don't forget to read Reminders of Him, which is our May book of the month. Um, I will be at this book club review as well. Um, don't worry. And that's it. Any any Thanks, last guys? Any last things, Andrea? Um, no, no. 
I honestly right. like I'm kind of feeling like a two parter. So maybe we'll talk about this again. I don't know. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have anything, if you have questions or if you want to like submit like statements or things like that, let us know. Because if we get some feedback, we can definitely do a two-parter and talk about this more. This has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, guys. Well, have a great week. Go out and kill it. You can fucking do this. Do Bye. it up. <laughs>